You are listening to the podcast of Richland Hills Baptist Church. We are located in Richland Hills, Texas. Our desire here is to believe, live, and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. As you're listening to our podcast today, if you have any questions, you can find us on the web at richlandhillsbc.com. God bless you. If you have your Bible this morning, open to Hebrews chapter 3, and we're going to be looking at verse 7 through 19 this morning. If you again need a Bible, there's a pew Bible uh, right in front of you. Also, let us know at the end if you need a Bible. But Hebrews chapter 3, and we are walking through the book of Hebrews together. We are looking at this idea of Jesus being greater than anyone or anything. We've seen that Jesus is greater than the angels. Jesus is greater than Moses. Jesus is greater. But not only is the author of Hebrews just telling us that for our own information, it's meant for you and I to live out our faith, to know that Jesus is greater and we must live that out. So this morning we're going to look through and, and see what that looks like. But one of my dad's favorite movies, I might have mentioned this before, in book series was Lord of the Rings. I think he read it as a young man, and then when the movies came out, he, he loved it. Now I did not love it so much for a while. In fact, I, every time, I think I went to the movies with him one time when I was like 19 and fell asleep. I mean, I did not enjoy it. I, did, I thought they were long and laborious and, and didn't love Lord of the Rings. But then later, I began to appreciate it. I actually read the book, which is long and laborious at times. But I read the three volumes and then saw the movies and really fell in love with it. But what I fell in love with was this idea of a journey. This idea of an epic or an adventure, if you will. This idea of, again, you have, you have the Frodo Baggins and the fellowship. and this, They're there to destroy the one ring that rules them all. But it was a picture of a Again, a journey. These people, they had begun in one place and they end up in a totally different place. Different people. And that idea of a journey is, is really fascinating to me in a lot of different books or movies. John Bunyan wrote A Pilgrim's Progress many, many, many years ago. Hundreds of years ago which is a picture of the journey of the Christian faith. And why that is fascinating to me is the idea of faith as a journey is very appropriate. Faith is a journey. And it doesn't really matter how you begin. I mean, it matters to a degree that you step on the journey. But a journey is how you finish. How do you finish this journey? And this morning, I believe, as we look in Hebrews chapter 3, we're going to be warned, but also encouraged with this idea. You will be tempted to fall away from God due to unbelief, but keep 
believing and finish the journey of faith. You will be tempted to fall away from God due to unbelief, but keep believing and finish the journey of faith. So let's read in Hebrews chapter 3. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, they will always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Take care, my brothers, lest there be in any of you an unbelieving, an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another, every day as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. As it is said, today if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all of those who left Egypt uh, led by Moses? And with whom was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest? But to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. Let us pray. Father, may you encourage our hearts this morning. May you also warn us and show us that we ought to finish the journey with faith. So Lord, may you help us to believe this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. If you look at the Old Testament, which Hebrews is going to, again, we talked about when we began this series, it's going to always go back to the Old Testament. Why? Because the readers were likely Jewish Christians. The Old Testament was their Bible. It's what they knew. And so they go back in the Old Testament, you see the promises of God. And it's there that they can understand what God is doing. So he goes back and he's going to talk about the Israelite people. When you think of the people of old, the Hebrew people, the Israelite people, God's people, they also were on a journey, weren't they? They were on a journey, a physical journey, but also a very much a spiritual journey. I mean, think about God's people. They were enslaved by Egypt for 400 years. I mean, there they were. They were enslaved. It's progressively getting worse and worse. Serving the Egyptians. It's not good. God hears their cry. He, he sends a man who's a Hebrew, but grew up as an Egyptian, 
He sent this man Moses to lead his people. Again, on a journey. And he does. He, he leads them out of Egypt in a miraculous way. With plagues facing the Egyptians. They come to the Red Sea with death imminent. But they cross through. Not on boats, but through the dry land. When God, through Moses, parted the Red Sea. And then they enter into this wilderness. It's a journey. Now the question though, as you think about the journey, how, how did God's people do on this journey? I mean, think about that. Think about all that they've seen. They've seen the miracles, the plagues. I mean, they, they've seen and witnessed all these amazing things from God. Certainly they believed, right? I mean, certainly they followed God. I mean, haven't you heard people say, well, if I could just see it, I'll believe it. Well, they saw it. They saw it over and over and over, right? They, they must have believed. Ah, it wasn't so, was it? They didn't believe. They didn't follow God as they should. In fact, that's the context that he's going to use in Psalm 95 here from Hebrews chapter 3. It's appropriate that last week we talked about Moses. Moses was faithful, but God's people were not. And so one of the things that he is going to impart to us, one of the things that he wants us to see is how God's people responded. Now I want you to take a look at verse 7. And I want you to underline that phrase, the Holy Spirit. So this is going to be a very important point when we think about the Bible and the inspiration of the Bible. He says, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, and as you go on from that verse 7, the second part, all the way to verse 11, that is from Psalm 95. That's from the Old Testament. So what is he saying about the Old Testament? It's inspired by God. He says, listen, as the Holy Spirit has said, and so think about this. God had a message for his people in Psalm 95. God had a message for his people, the original readers of Hebrews or hearers. And God is still speaking through his Holy Spirit today. You see, when we read the Bible, this is the Holy Spirit speaking from in the original times, but He's still speaking today. So when it says the Holy Spirit says it, the Holy Spirit is saying it to you. If you're here today, and you are, God's Spirit is speaking to you. When you read the Bible, the Spirit of God has a message for you and for me. So what's that message? I believe that message really can be wrapped up in verse 8. And it's gonna, you're going to see it a little bit more. But do not harden your hearts. And then to verse 12. Take care, brothers, let there be in any of you, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart. 
So he's saying, listen, here's the big idea. This is what the Holy Spirit's saying. Do not harden your heart. Do not, uh, do not be an unbeliever. Believe God. This is the message. Believe God. You'll be tempted to fall away from God, but keep believing. Keep believing. Now this Psalm 95, if you were to turn over into your Bible to Psalm 95, and you can do that later, you will see a few differences. But one of the differences you will see in verse 8, it says, Do not harden your hearts, as in the rebellion. That word rebellion is Meribah, which you will see in Psalm 95. Or in the day of testing in the wilderness, where you put me to the test, that idea is, or that word testing in Psalm 95 would be Massah. Which if you remember, many of you might, in Exodus, that was the name of where God's people tested God. Meribah and Massah. And so those are some differences there, but, but let me kind of paint this picture for you. Psalm 95 is talking about what's happening in Exodus chapter 17 and also Numbers 14. So that's where Exodus or Psalm is getting the content of what he's saying. Now in Exodus 17, remember, God's brought them out of, the, out of Egypt. And in Exodus 17, we find out that God's people were not happy. I mean, they're fighting with Moses. They're quarreling with Moses. Why? Because they're thirsty. They're thirsty, and so they're, here they are. They're fighting, and they're grumbling, and they're complaining. Moses says, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put God to the test? And there, Moses, through God telling him, Moses strikes the rock, and water comes out. But it's there that the place is named Massah Meribah, where God's people quarreled and rebelled and tested God. And then in Numbers 14, we find God's people grumbling and complaining again. They're rebelling. The spies that they had sent out into the promised land, the spies that go out to check out the promised land, see how it is. And ten of them come back with a bad report. And God's people, they're grumbling and complaining. They're grumbling and complaining against Moses and Aaron. Joshua and Caleb, they even step in trying to defend them. But guess what? The people, they are in a murderous rage. And they're ready to murder these people. They pick up stones and they're ready to wipe them out. But then God's ready to wipe them out. I mean, God's angry with these people. God is not happy because of their hard hearts. God's ready to wipe these people out. And Moses, in a surprise twist, he steps in. He intercedes for these people that would have killed him. He intercedes and says, listen, God, if, if you kill these people then the Egyptians, they're going to see it, and they're going to say, look, God couldn't do it. So he says, God, don't kill these people. 
And then he also says, listen, we know that it says that the Lord is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, forgiving iniquity and transgression, but he will by no means clear the guilty. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation. He says, listen, God, listen, if you don't, if you kill these people, then the Egyptians will use it as a way to, again, talk bad about you, essentially. But he says, God, but you also, you're forgiving. You're slow to anger. He says, God, don't, don't destroy these people. God listens to Moses. In Numbers 4, 20 through 25, he says, I have pardoned according to your word, but truly as I live and as all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord, none of the men who have seen my glory and my signs that I did in Egypt in the wilderness and yet put me to the test ten times and not have, have not obeyed my voice, they shall not See the land that I swore to give to their fathers. And none of those who despise me shall see it. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit, has followed me fully. I will bring into the land into which he went. And his descendants shall possess it. So God says, listen, Moses, you're right. I'm not going to kill these people, but here's the deal. They may live today, but they won't live to see the promised land. I'm not going to kill them now, but they won't be able to see this land, this land of rest, this land that I have promised, because they've disobeyed me. And so it's there that the writer of Hebrews is using Psalm 95, where these people were hard in heart. And where did this really come from? You see, the people did not believe. They were hardened in heart. They did not believe God. And the appeal, he said, listen, don't be like these people who are hard in heart. Don't be like these people who rebelled against God and were mad and angry because he didn't do what they wanted. Don't be like these people who were afraid and didn't believe that God could do what he said he could do. Don't be like these people who... God was provoked with. Don't be like these people who always go astray in their heart. Because God said that they shall not enter my rest. And so, it's almost though as the writer of Hebrews is thinking that people are going to ask, well, what does that have to do with me? Maybe you're sitting there. What does that have to do with me? And what does that have to do with you? You're not one of the Hebrews. You're not wandering around in the desert for 40 years. The writer is very clever in how he does this. Because the reality is that you and I also are tempted, just like God's people, to not believe. You and I are tempted just like God's people to fall away. And do you see what happens? 
They don't believe God. And then in verse 12 it says, Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. They didn't believe. These people, they did not believe. They didn't trust God. They, they doubted that God was who He says He is. And the writer saying, listen, don't be like them. Don't be an unbeliever. Now this raises up an important question. A question about questions. A question about doubts. You see, many people have questions. Sometimes people may even have some doubts in their mind and they, and they wonder about certain things. Is this really how it is? Now I believe, and I've come to believe, that there are different types of doubts and different types of questions. There's a type of doubt that I'll call a believing doubt and an unbelieving doubt. Now you might say, well that sounds like an oxymoron. And perhaps it is. But I have come to see that there are different ways that people doubt. You see, there's an an unbelieving doubt. An unbelieving doubt is when somebody has questions about God, but they really don't have any desire to believe. They have questions, but really they've made up their mind, and all they're trying to do is take apart and say, this is why I don't believe. When people come to their questions with not a desire to believe, but they are looking for justification not to believe. And so many people, they come to these questions already deciding in their mind that God must not be real. Faith must not be real. Christianity must not be real. And so they ask these questions, but not really looking for honest answers. They're only looking for somebody to prove what they think is right, that God's not who He says He is. So that's an unbelieving doubt. They're not honest in their questions. They've already found people that will agree with them. They live in an echo chamber and they want people to agree. And many times it's because they don't want to live by faith. They're tired of living the Christian life. So if they can just find somebody that says what they think... Maybe this isn't all real. It's unbelieving doubt. But then there are other people that come and they have honest questions. They're struggling in their faith. That's what I call believing doubt. It's a doubt that comes not from a place wanting to tear down their faith, but they're really trying to understand. They want to believe God. It's like the Father in Mark 9, 23. It says, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. You see, this believing doubt is somebody who is wrestling and struggling and they, they want so badly to believe. They're, they want and they know that they can trust God. They just have some questions. There's no sin in having questions. But the sin is that we turn away. And so, 
to you, I say, keep believing. Keep trusting God. But the problem is, these people, God's people, they did not really seem to want to believe. Because they wanted a God that provided everything, when they wanted it, how they wanted it, on their terms. And do you see what happened? Because of their unbelief, they fell away. They turned away from God. They were hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. You and I have seen that in our lives, haven't we? We've seen people that seem to start the journey of faith. I've seen this. They start, they're excited. They're telling other people what they believe, and they, they seem to be real committed. And then something happens in their life, and they begin to question God. They begin to struggle with unbelief. And then next thing you know, they fall into some sort of sin. They fall into some sort of rebellion. And many times they fall completely away from God. They turn away. They walk away. And all begins with belief. Do you have faith? Do you trust God? This is exactly what the author is saying here. He says, listen, take care. Don't be like these people. But in verse 13, he says something very important. He says, exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. He says, listen, exhort one another. Here's the problem. The reason so many people fall away is because they disengage with God's people. They leave God's people. They leave the church. I, well, I don't need the church anymore. You don't have to be a Christian. Or you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. But the, the answer, the antidote for our unbelief is each other. What he's saying here, he says, listen, you and I, we can actually help prevent people from drifting away. How do we do that? By exhorting one another. By encouraging one another. By coming along one another and helping them struggle and wrestle with their questions. He said, listen, exhort one another as long as it's called today. He's saying every day. Every day, he says, you need to help one another. If you see a brother or sister that begins, looks like they're slipping away from faith, you just snatch them back. Don't let them drift away. Bring them back. Exhort them. Say, listen, you need to believe. Trust God. But so often, we've been guilty, myself included, of letting people silently slip away. Without a trace. And when that's not supposed to be, we're supposed to do everything we can. Now listen, we can't force people. They make their own decisions. But are we passionate about exhorting one another? They believe God. 
Trust Him. This is why we gather. Like this is one of the reasons we gather is to help one another. This is why we need to think of the church not as a place to be entertained or to gather, but we think of church as a family. That's why it's so important that you try to engage with God's people, not just once a week, but as much as you can, so you can be encouraged to join one another. He said, listen, that's what you need to do. We don't want people to fall away because you're going to be tempted to fall away due to unbelief. But you keep believing. Keep believing. Keep believing. Now, verse 14 is going to bring up something very important. A theological question. For we have come to share in Christ. If indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. The book of Hebrews is going to bring up one big theological question that maybe you've heard this before. Can you lose your salvation? This is a big question. And there are a lot of people that have different ideas, and many of them, there are people that believe that you can lose your salvation. If you're a Christian, you can lose it. And many of them will go to the book of Hebrews. Is the author of Hebrews telling us that we can lose our salvation? Because, listen, we've come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original confidence. And later we'll see some other places. Here's what I want you to say. Can't lose what you never had. And here's where I think Scripture teaches us. That there are many people that look like they have trusted Christ, but they haven't really. And so, while it looks like they may have lost their salvation, they never believed to begin with, truly. One commentator says this, Failure to hold on to one's confidence does not cause one to lose salvation. It indicates that one was not truly saved in the first place. And so I believe what the author of Hebrews is showing is not that people are losing their salvation, but the way that you know that someone truly believes is if they persevere to the end. The way that you know that someone is truly a Christian is if they persevere, if they keep faith to the end. Because beginning is important, but it's finishing. You know, I think of marathon runners. Thinking about the Olympics. I love the Olympics. And I went back and I looked in the Tokyo Olympics. 75 people finished in the men's marathon. 75 men finished the men's marathon. Some finished it very fast, of course. Others, not so fast. But for those that finished, they were ranked number 1 to 75. The guy that was 75th in the record books, it says he was 75th. He finished. But did you know that way below the 75th, there's a whole host of other people 
31, I believe. They don't have a number next to their name. Do you know what they have next to their name? Did not finish. There's 31 others that they never finished the race for whatever reason. But they don't go in the record books having finished the marathon. They began it, they didn't finish it. They don't have a number. They don't have 76, 77 because they never finished the race. You see, you and I, the question is, will we finish the race? If you and I, if we begin but we don't finish, really I believe what Scripture's telling us, then there was a question about unbelief at the very beginning. Did you believe God at the beginning and at the end? And then to make sure that we know how important this is, in verse 16 through 19, he's going to use several rhetorical questions. He wants us to know how important this is. And in verse 15, he say he repeated it. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. But listen to these questions. For who are those who heard and yet rebelled? We're supposed to know the answer to this. Oh, wow, they heard and rebelled as the people from Egypt. They're led by Moses. And with whom was God mad at for 40 years? Oh, we know that. It was those people that sinned and whose bodies littered the wilderness because they never made it to the promised land. And he said, to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest? Oh, that was the disobedient. They did not enter God's rest because they did not believe. And this idea of rest we'll look at next week. But rest is again God's rest. God's promised land. And he's going to make this point that for you and I, God's promised land, God's rest is eternal life. But here's the question. Are you believing God? Now some of you, maybe you're a child or a teenager or a new Christian. There's many people that have begun the journey. You've started the race. You're believing God. But here's, here's the problem in the beginning of the journey sometimes. You begin to look to the end and you say, man, that's a long time. I mean, I've got to live this way as a Christian for, for that long? I mean, that, that seems very hard. And sometimes in the very beginning as young people, as children and teenagers, and guess what? A lot of teenagers fall away from the faith. And it's not because... Don't listen to anybody who tells you that it's because of, well, you know, they don't like this or that about the church. Listen, it's about belief. People fall away because of unbelief. All the other reasons that people tell you, they might play into it, but it's at the core belief. You see, there's a lot of teenagers who've 
feed into the hype, if you will, of Christianity. But it's about belief. And so there's many people who begin, and they're, they're again, I don't, the statistics are high, but they fall away. Because they don't believe, they can't believe, God, this is too hard, this is too difficult. And here's what I say to you, if you are young in the faith, young in age, keep believing God. Keep trusting God. If you say you believed in the beginning, keep at it. You might say, well, pastor, it's really hard. I have lots of questions and you just don't understand. In school, people say this or that. Keep believing God. Don't believe the world. Believe God. Because He's going to be who will take you to the end. That's what it comes down to. And then sometimes there's people in the middle age of life. And there are its own challenges. You've gone through some difficulty. Maybe you're in midlife crisis, people talk about. And sometimes you begin to struggle in different ways in this life. You've, you followed God for a while, but you, you get tired. It's tiring sometimes, and I just don't know if I can keep pressing on. Keep believing. Keep trusting God. And sometimes in this age range, in this period of life, you, again, you begin to feel the crush of all the responsibility, raising families and working, and it can seem overwhelming. There's so many responsibilities in life. Keep trusting God. You're tempted to give up and to go what everybody else is doing. Keep following Him. And then I want to speak to my seasoned adults. That might be a nice way of saying it. And I'll, I'll say this. I want to be very tactful but honest. There are many of you here that would acknowledge that you're on the last leg of the race. You can see the finish line. You've lived faithfully. You've followed God. And it could be that, again, your race is coming to an end. But do you know what's so sad to me? There are many cases where people at the end of their life with sometimes maybe just a few years left, they don't finish well. They fall away. They get tired. They don't keep pursuing Jesus. They, they give up. They fall into sin or error or rebellion. They become lazy in their faith. And listen, that is so tragic. Keep believing God if you only have one year left it doesn't matter five years ten years of course none of us knows our days do we but if you feel as if your life you're towards the end keep believing God in fact this should be the time of your life that you pursue him even more because you're going to be with him for eternity this is not a time to become lazy no it's a time 
And I don't mean physically, I mean spiritually lazy. Because it doesn't matter your physical condition. Guess what? As long as you have a mind and a heart, you can still keep pursuing God. Don't give up. Keep believing. Finish the race. But listen, and that's a challenge. I mean, I just want you to keep believing God. No matter where you are, keep believing. But here's the hope to this. Because it doesn't, the beginning is not as important as it is the finish. Finish well. Finish the race. Don't be like the people of old. But here's the hope in it. Maybe you've messed up part of the race in the beginning or the middle. But guess what? There's grace. Maybe you've tripped up along the way and you've, again, you haven't lived as God has called you. Guess what? As long as it's today, there's hope. As long as you're still breathing, there's hope. You can get back up and you can finish the race. You might be 75th, but it doesn't matter. You're still in the record books. You're still in the book of life. So there is, there is nothing in this life that anybody can do that will keep them from God. Listen, believe in Him. Trust Him. He can take your burdens, your mistakes, whatever it is, your sin, and He can use it for His glory. And I say all of this with a pastoral heart. And I, when I say this, I mean it. I love you. Now, you see, when I first came, I loved you from the beginning. But now, after years together now, I love each of you as family. We have lived life together. We have walked through difficulty. You've held my hand in grief. I've held your hand in grief. We've laughed together probably cried together, shed blood together, I'm sure. We've walked through uncertainty together. We've walked through trouble, good and bad. And, and again, I have this because of that. It's like when your child is born, you love your child, right? Of course you do. But as your child grows, your love grows, doesn't it? Because now your love is based on life and experience. I love you. And that love, again, causes me to want to see you and all of us to finish with faith. And so wherever you are, whatever you're facing, I just encourage you to keep believing you're going to be tempted in young age, middle age, and old age to fall away. You're going to be tempted to not believe, but keep believing God. Trust Him. And again, I know this, that you, on the other hand, you will keep exhorting me to keep believing. Because you know what's even sadder? There's pastors that haven't finished the race. There's pastors that begin with all the charisma 
but they fall away. So even I need to be exhorted. And you love me, and I love you, and we exhort one another because it's important, it's serious, it's eternally serious. If someone leaves the church, it's not just, well, that's a bummer, they left the church. No, we ought to see this. No, this is, this is not good. So keep believing. You'll be tempted to fall away from God due to unbelief. But keep believing and finish the journey of faith. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the hope and the promise that we have. But Father, we also thank you for the encouragement and the exhortation to keep believing. And Father, I pray this morning, and I don't know everybody's heart and situation and what they're going through, but Lord, I just pray that this morning that we would be strengthened in our faith and belief. And if there's someone here that's wrestling and they, they have questions or doubts, but Father, I pray that even in this moment, God, that you would fill their hearts with faith and belief. God, for those that are struggling and, and maybe they've, Lord, they've lived a certain way and they've done things that they shouldn't have. Father, I pray that you would help them to believe and to not live in the past and to worry about what they've done, but to trust you now and to keep pushing forward. And Father, for my, for my older people here, Father, I just pray that they would see your hand in their life and keep believing but in that keep, in that believing, Lord, that they would encourage others. God, may we come to you this morning, wherever we are, and we're all in a different stage and journey on this journey. May we come this morning, Father, believing. Father, my prayer is that every single person in this place would believe would put their faith in Jesus Christ as their Savior, that they would trust Him, not their works, not their abilities, not their religious attendance, but they would trust in Jesus. Father, that's what's important. May they believe May I believe, Lord. May you help us all to believe and to trust and to follow you. And this morning, I, my prayer is that as we sing and as we, Lord, just continue to worship, I pray that you would speak to us. Father, may you speak. And may we hear and may we listen. What are you saying to us this morning, Lord? In Jesus' name.